0: Good afternoon, Marika. How are you, bigots? Bigots? How's your German coming along, motherfuckers? Shout out to KAMP Student Radio at the University of Everett now and KPYT, Pasquayaki, Travel Radio on the Res with Show. Res with Trish on the res with TRIZ. <laughs> Let's see uh, what's going on with getting Trump locked up. Okay, Trump plea deal with DOJ just got rejected moments ago, 21 hours ago. Ancient gigantic humans jailed Jenny for lying. Nice. Ooh. Why do I keep getting things on everything styled? Pays hey, dear price after disgusting big like confirm ad hearing Pelosi take down. Okay, this sounds good. Kind of a dodgy, kind of a dodgy, you know, everything style channel on YouTube, but they take clips from in MSNBC and stuff. Welcome back if, they're to Chinese, the if they're Chinese, if they're Chinese, they they're obviously uh, you know on the right, the correct sides, politically. <laughs>
1: Anyway, let's start keep... with some important facts, and I emphasize the word facts. The 2020 election happened 697 days ago. Joe Biden won that election by 7 million votes and with a count of 302 to 232 in the Electoral College. Donald Trump and his team challenged those results dozens lost. of times, in dozens
0: 86 of times, and
1: lost each. And
0: Eighty-six time. times. Some Why? Because zero evidence. evidence. The Lady, Court, zero evidence. Were, of
1: course, rejected. And yet, and even those now, are in getting the fall of 2022, Jenny Thomas, the wife of a justice who sits on that very Supreme Court, <laughs> went in front of the One Six Committee and said she still believes the election was stolen. <laughs> That's according to committee chair Betty Thompson. I want you to let that sink in for a second. And now, take a listen to committee member Jamie Raskin's reaction.
2: It is amazing that you have someone who's married to a Supreme Court uh, justice who, is, you know, continues to promote the big lie. But of course, it's her absolute first
1: amendment right to do so, and anybody can go out and you know, make an idiot out of themselves by claiming that um, you know the, the Easter Bunny is real, the Santa Claus is real, and Donald Trump is the real president. I I hope my seven-year-old was not listening to Jamie Baskin when he just said that. Of course, this Jenny Thomas interview comes after months of headlines detailing her multiple efforts to overturn the results of that election, including texts to Trump's then-Chief of Staff, Mark Meadows, in the run-up to January 6th, and her reported involvement in parts of a scheme to put up fake electors in the states of Arizona and Wisconsin. Jenny Thomas also said that she did not speak to her husband, her husband of more than 30 years, about her post election activities. We'll have to process here. So, to help me process, here's my panel. David Jolly is a former Republican who represented Florida in the United States House, and he's an MSNBC political analyst. Cristobal Alex is a former senior advisor to the Biden campaign and an MSNBC political analyst. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being my power political panel this morning. I appreciate it, David Jolly. On a personal note, I'm glad to know that you and your family are safe from Hurricane Ian. Cristobal, I'd like to start with you this morning. Betty Thompson says we may, an emphasis on May hear parts of Jenny comments, Jenny's comments in the next public hearing. How important do you think it is, though, that Live. the American people hear from Jenny Thomas in her own words?
0: 421.
1: Good morning,
3: Katie. It's great to be with you. And I think it's going to be incredibly important to hear in her own words. You know, my grandmother used to have a saying, Vime con quien andas y te dire eres. Who you walk with, and I'll tell you who you are. Um, remember, her husband just a few months ago have no doubt that if he had another chance he would overturn an election. I don't believe anything that she says. Um, I think she's a conspiracy theorist. Obviously she's an election denier and it puts in a stark uh, relief just how close we are still to losing our democracy. You pointed out how long ago the election has been. We've got a president in the White House, but we've also got election deniers running in almost every single state in this country. And the only way I'm to push running back for on is, let's, uh, let's get her on the, on the stand. Let's make sure that uh, what Steele's saying, send us best disinfectant. Let's get some transparency there. And most importantly in November, mm-hmm. let's defeat these uh, election deniers once and for all.
1: First of all, you don't have to tell me twice. I, on the show, have been railing against Jenny Thomas. David, help me put into perspective, though, what it means that the spouse of a sitting Supreme Court justice went in front of a congressional select committee investigating an insurrection, and she had the nerve to still say that she believes in the conspiracy theory at the root of that insurrection. Is it the perfect sign of where things are in our democracy right now? It's certainly a time stamp for 2022. Katie, okay, thank you for your
0: kind words. I know all of us, our hearts are with the first responders and families in Florida. Uh, while we're still on a stage of preservation of human Did life. Did you ask and her and why? Rescue. Why does she believe uh, that? I think the January 6th committee is on a bit of a razor's edge ask here. Ask her Here's why. What I mean by that. Jenny Thomas, in her own right, is a player in conservative
2: politics within the Beltway. She's not known nationally, but within the Beltway, there's about a dozen of kind of self-affirmation conservative societies um, that really embarked on the early days of direct mail to bring up this network of conservative activists around the country. And so Jenny Thomas, in her own right, has communications, as we apparently know, with Mark Meadows and other leaders of the Trump administration. And I think that's the important thing. What information does Jenny Thomas have about Trump administration officials related to January 6th? Her marriage to a Supreme Court justice, boy, that is a huge matter, but that's almost a different matter, and this is where there's a razor's edge. I think if the January 6th committee explores the relationship with Clarence Thomas, you're opening an entire other chapter That First, you better have receipts, because otherwise the credibility of the committee comes into play a little bit. But secondly... This is a committee now that has to struggle with how to wrap this up, and I say that for huh. its own impact, right? This has been an incredibly impactful January sixth committee. I think
0: committee they should indict our congress members.
2: It's remarkable. They need to figure out how to get the final story on the American people's feet, and that's why this is a razor's edge. I think that the information Jenny Thomas has is damning, clearly, but does it also? relate to her husband's work. That's a hard question for January 6th committee
1: members to wrestle with. You know, Christopher, I'd like to switch gears. A major event in terms of politics happening in Texas last night. Let's talk about the governor's race in that state. Last night, it was a debate only between the Republican governor, Greg Abbott, and Democrat, Beto. Burke.
4: The first
1: big topic was immigration. In this clip, you notice the room was empty. Beto award saying that's because Abbott refused to debate him in front of a live audience. Let's take a quick
2: look. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, this hateful rhetoric, this treating human beings as political pawns, talking about invasions and okay, in Texas, Texas defending themselves—that's mm-hmm. how people get killed at the Walmart in El Thank Paso, you, sir. the gentleman in Hudspeth uh, that we just learned about yesterday. This is incredibly dangerous for Texas and is not reflective of our.
1: You Guys, don't know what better
0: help is, which I'm sure a lot of you guys do, and I actually know a lot of you that have started because of me, so I think that's just so wonderful. I uh, help. anyway. Shout out to oh man, shout out to KAMP Student Radio at the University of Redstone and KPYT Pasquayaki Tribal Radio on the Rise of Trister show. Please wear a mask in public indoor spaces. Don't be an idiot. Wear a mask. And call your government. Make a noise. Put your hands in the air like you just care. And memorize the, num- the numbers. Write them on your desk. Like, you know, that's what I recommend. That's what I do. And memorize them. And call them religiously. And give them hell. You know. 147 of those mofos in Congress voted to overturn the election based on zero evidence. Uh...
2: They are the most powerful people in America. And the focus of the Durham investigation
1: in front of a live audience let's take a quick look
2: I'll tell you, this hateful rhetoric, this treating human beings as political pawns, talking about invasions in Texas, Texas defending themselves, that's how people get killed at the Walmart in El Paso, the gentleman (laughs) in Hudspeth that we just learned about yesterday. This is incredibly dangerous for Texas and is not reflective of our values. This is all because of Joe Biden's failure to do the president's job to secure the border. We're only having to do that because of Joe Biden's failure and because it would be the same pathway uh, that Beto would take us down.
1: Cristobal, you are the son of immigrants, you've seen the stories of the migrants that have been bust into cities and summarily dumped on the side of the road because they are political pawns. Do you think by appealing to Texans' values that Beto could gain some ground in this race? He's still trailing Abbott in all of the polls.
0: Uh, Why is he fucking trailing? Um,
3: I have no doubt
1: uh, that Bethel has a great
3: chance here. He's closing the gap, as we were saying in the the polls. What the fuck is wrong with you, Texans? This is a really important issue. There's a reason why Abbott only agreed uh, to one debate. There's a reason why he didn't want an audience there. It's because Texans will see very clearly when they look at that debate stage what's at stake here. The immigration issue being front and center for folks like myself and and, and many others. I'm from El Paso, Texas. It's a city of immigrants. Um, And it's also ground zero for some of these incredibly terrible, cruel policies. And it shocks the conscience to think about families traveling thousands of miles uh, um, for security, for opportunity, for whatever reason they're coming to the United States, urgency, uh, to be welcomed by uh, Abbott, put on a bus for a stunt. It's cruel, it's unusual, it's a terrible thing. I think Bethel, uh should lean into that, should capitalize on it, along with other issues. Uh, clearly, And they're abortion, legal, too. Uh, be a issue. They're legal immigrant, immigrants. Forms, with no exceptions. Uh, and he gets an infiltration the uh, and supports a law that allows 18-year-olds without any real training to walk around uh, with guns in public uh, after Uvalde, after the massacre in El Paso, which, again, targeted immigrants. So I do think Beto can lean in there. I think we'll see a much, much closer race in the next couple of days after this debate.
1: David, i um, got a really short window of time for you, and I apologize, but I did want to get your reaction as well to that gubernatorial debate that happened last night.
2: Look, I, I think... That- Opportunity ...to speak to suburban voters that we occasionally see turn out in key elections, like in Virginia at the election of Lincoln, and that is around the issue of gun violence. On immigration, Greg Abbott and others deserve the indictment of America for their treatment of, of their fellow travelers as a walk of life here. And certainly policies in Texas need to change. But to a work though, an ambassador for preventing gun violence, Greg Abbott is not. That's the contrast in this race.
1: Oh, David Jolly, delivering for me in that short window of time. Gentlemen, I'm sorry that I've run out of time. I would like you both to come back. My power political panel this morning, David Jolly and Ball Alex, thank you both for being here.
0: And coming up... I need a woman. How about me, man? They
2: go into rooms. They won't let anybody near them. They wouldn't even let them in the same building. Did they drop anything into those files, Or did they do it later? There's no chain of custody here with them.
0: Of command.
1: That was Donald Trump himself suggesting the FBI planted evidence oh, yeah. at his Mar-a-Lago estate after That's they searched right his on. home for missing classified documents. A claim as well as the endless parade of TV hits by some of his attorneys prompting Special Master Raymond Deary to order Trump to back up that allegation, but this time in court. But Trump appointed Judge Aileen Cannon who ruled the Special Master, who she appointed at the request of Trump. Cannon also pushed back the deadline for Jerry to complete the review of documents seized from Mar-a-Lago due to December 16th, also in line with Trump's wishes to delay.
0: Yeah, and the after the midterms, Senator Steve
1: Bannon took issue with the judge's recent string of pro-Trump rulings, writing, "Quote: The curious thing about Cannon is she seems totally, wholly indifferent to her professional reputation. It's <laughs> as if she noticed her credibility was on fire and thought it'd be a good idea." to reach for minor fluid. Uh Joining me now is former U.S. attorney, professor of law at the University of Michigan, and MSNBC legal analyst Barbara McQuaid. Barb, my friend, thank you, as always, for joining us early on Saturday morning. Barb, why would Judge Cannon appoint a special master at Trump's request no less if she wasn't going to let him do his job and make Trump back up his claim that the FBI planted evidence? Yeah, as you know, Kitty, it's very unusual for a judge to appoint a special master who's essentially there to to be delegated, to take on a job that the judge doesn't have the bandwidth to take on because she's busy
4: with other cases. He takes the case, he makes some decisions, and then she overrules them. So it's a really odd posture, just procedurally, to overrule the judge in that way. Um, but what's also odd about it is the choices that she made.
1: Judge Deere wanted to put them on an accelerated timeline. time is of the essence. The Justice Department wants those documents so it can begin its investigation. Um, And she rolled that back. She said, no, you don't need to do it that quickly. You can have a little more time. And you're stalling. Is really the (laughs) name of the game here. And so she's allowed that. And the other thing, the one that you just pointed out, is this idea that, no, you don't have to tell us, back up these claims that you're making, that the FBI has planted evidence. Judge Derry says you should do that, but I'm going to relieve you of that responsibility. You go ahead and keep saying it out there in the ether. Uh, because, you know, they can't say it in court unless it's true, unless they can back it up. Because if you make a false statement in court, there are consequences for that, for the lawyers, for sanctions, uh, fines, disbarment, even oh, criminal baby. charges. And so she is allowing Trump to continue to make those statements out there. And Kitty, as you know, it's, it's harmful when people are allowed to say false things about the FBI because it creates an impression in the public that those things are true and it undermines the ability for the FBI to do their jobs all across this country every day. You know, Barb, late last night, the Department of Justice filing a motion to expedite appeal trying to hasten those deadlines that Judge Cannon now pushed out to his sponse meeting on her own without anybody even asking for it. In addition, the DOJ saying, look, we want you, as in the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals, to take a hard look at the entirety of Judge Cannon's order in terms of the special master being appointed in the first place. Barb, I know that you've read this motion. What are your initial thoughts about the success for the DOJ in seeking this relief from the 11th Circuit? Why so many smart people never hit their full potential? It's not lack of resources, opportunity, time, or any of that stuff. I'm not sure, you know, it's clear to me that the Justice Department has now said, we just want to be rid of Judge Cannon. We want to get get away from her uh, as quickly as possible. Hmm. Um, You know, in light of the ruling that we saw from the 11th Circuit last week, where they moved very, very quickly... Uh, In fact, you know, two judges, I think noteworthy, appointed by Donald Trump, uh, and a third by Obama on a three-judge panel, uh, ruled in the government's favor and did so very quickly. And so I think I like their chances. You know, the 11th Circuit is one that is conservative, but maybe not necessarily MAGA, and I think there's a real difference. (laughs) And so conservative judges tend to believe in law and order and understand that the Justice Department needs to uh, conduct its investigation, especially something as sensitive as these highly classified documents. And even if the rest of it relates to just presidential documents, they belong to the government. And so, you know, this three-month delay that Judge Cannon is proposing uh, is harmful to the interests of the United States. And so I think that I like their chances on the merits, and in light of how swiftly they moved last week, I like their chances on the expedited request quickly, and I apologize, I have a little bit less than a minute left, but I did want to get into the new reporting from WAPO that says that Trump's legal team is now divided. They're at odds in terms of how to handle this Mar-a-Lago case. Some Trump lawyers saying, turn down the temperature with the DOJ. Try to kind of nicely resolve and play nicely in the sandbox. Others are in Trump's ear bending it, saying, let's continue with your usual combative posture, Mr. Trump. What do you make of this reported divide in terms of what's supposed to be a single Front legal team. I say, Katie, to those lawyers who join in good faith and think they're going to make change, Donald Trump. Uh, bless you. You know, good luck. Here we go again. Uh, Donald Trump has one mode. It's all offense all the time. And anyone who thinks he's going to change him, uh, you know, it's like the woman who marries the man and says, "I'm going to change him." Like, no. You know, people. People are who they are. And uh, at this point in in life, shame on on him for not knowing who Donald Trump is. You know, Barb, Chris Kyes, though, he got a $3 million payment up front, and he's the one who's trying to tell Trump to turn down the temperature. It's a pretty nice payment for walking into a known quicksand environment. Barb McQuaid, thank you so much for joining us, and please come back soon. Thanks, Katie. Uh
0: Coming
1: up, and a good Saturday morning to you, I'm Katie Fang. We begin the show in South Carolina, where residents are waking up to the devastating damage left by Hurricane Ian. The powerful storm made landfall again yesterday as a Category 1 hurricane around 2 p.m. Eastern, and was downgraded hours later to a post-tropical cyclone, now pushing its way north. The storm causing severe flooding in parts of the state. This you're looking at is a neighborhood near Myrtle Beach. Roads underwater after heavy rain pounded the area. And several piers along the coast, including this one, partially collapsing from the storm surge. Meanwhile, in the state of Florida, at least 23 people are now confirmed dead with that number expected to rise in the coming days. A clearer picture of Ian's devastation emerging as new video comes in, including this marina near Fort Myers, one of the hardest hit areas in Lee County, Florida. Other areas in the state remain underwater, and those water levels aren't the only thing that people have to worry about. One NBC correspondent spotted this alligator swimming down a residential street in Orlando, Florida, where people have been walking just minutes before. We'll get to the latest in Florida, but
4: first let's start and check in with Kathy Park in South Carolina. Kathy? Katie, good morning. Ian has weakened considerably but it certainly showed its strength here in South Carolina as it made landfall yesterday in the community of Georgetown. At the height of the storm, we were clocking wind gusts at up to 92 miles per hour and it certainly was no match even for massive trees like the one you see behind me here in downtown Charleston. Also here in the city, especially in the low lying areas, flooding was also a big concern. We were hit with heavy bands of rain so uh, the floodwaters actually got to my knee at one point, but as you can see, a lot of the water has receded. Power outages, uh, also a big issue throughout the day. Yesterday, hundreds of thousands lost power, uh, but the big headline today will be the, the cleanup throughout downtown Charleston. Also in Myrtle Beach, they are dealing with uh, a lot of erosion on the shores, and crews will be out here assessing the damage. But a lot of the residents that we spoke with yesterday say that they are grateful to. The situation didn't get much worse, but they were, of course, on high because of what they witnessed happening in Florida. Back to you.
1: NBC's Kathy Park. Thank you. So let's go now to the uh, ...and Facebook and how he was able to. <laughs> uh-huh.
0: Hey, Georgia Republican Party. Really, this dinosaur-faced hoe is the best you can get? High school dropout sex offender, she planted bombs. Right. I'm going to put a background to this here. You don't need to stick around for this it must be boring. Well, Trista, why don't you play some something for them? Okay, all right. I don't need a therapist, thanks.
1: ...to the state of Florida, where NBC's Steve Patterson is in Fort Myers for us. Steve, what's the latest there?
2: Katie, the damage here is almost indescribable. it is It's essentially, as far as the eye can see, homes are disintegrated, cinder blocks uprooted the pavement in this area, destroyed the marina in which I'm at. Boats that are normally in this harbor that would be to my right are in the road. To my left, you can see yachts and pleasure boats. Of course, and fishing and if you recall, was basically an attempt to. The side, some of them jackknife into houses. I don't know if I can show you this, but I believe we have a map that we can put on screen, shows you our location and what this marina used to look like. That blue dot that you can see if it's on screen would be me. The orange dots used to be structure.
0: Would say that, um, we
2: are the uh, In this area one that South is directly South behind me in is Avenue, completely Happy Avenue. South South Avenue. Speaking of those boats,